We are continuing our sermon series that we started on Easter Sunday morning entitled, Become the Gospel. And we're talking about the different aspects of our witness to the world. And today, the theme is generosity. You know, we worship a God who held nothing back for us, from us, uh, providing us with this wonderful creation um, and in Jesus Christ giving us all, uh, giving his life so that we might live, have abundant life in the promise of eternal life. Today, Donna read to us from a passage of Scripture in Luke that we call the Sermon on the Plain. And this Sermon on the Plain is a version of Matthew's Sermon on the Mount. Um, And we don't have all of the aspects of the Sermon on the Mount and the Sermon on the Plain, but this particular passage that she read is reiterated both places because it's so important and it speaks to us about what A generous life is all about. One that gives, expecting nothing in return. So today, as we talk about generosity, as we address generosity from God's holy word, we're not talking necessarily about giving just money, but we're talking about a lifestyle of generosity that's always about giving to a God who has given all. You know, when one joins the church, we take a vow to support the church with our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our time, our money, our service, and our witness. And when the economy is shaky as it is right now, the inclination, I think, that we all have is to protect our investments or protect our money, to hold on to our money. And instead of giving, we think in terms of holding on or reeling in or putting a hold on generosity. And in this time, when we are right now, this very unusual time, I think that uh, what we have in social distancing and in the restrictions that we are experiencing, it just underscores our issues with generosity. We now are hesitant, uh, even restricted, to offer our presence one with another, right? Uh, We are um, ordered, in essence, not to offer our our bare hands or a hug. We're social distancing, staying six feet apart. And all around us, we are conscious of holding back or reeling in or putting a hold on the generosity of offering ourselves to another. I want to challenge us this morning to find ways, even in the midst of this unusual time of social distancing, that we can reach out and give. Again, not just money, but to give of ourselves, to give to others in this restricted time. The example that Jesus gives us of a way to offer ourselves really goes beyond our normal expectations of generosity. He's talking about a generous life that really is a radically generous life. Listen to the words that uh, we just read. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. And pray for those who abuse you. Uh, We don't normally think in terms of giving to our enemies, do we? Or to those who uh, do not like us or even oppose us. 
But our faith is such a radical faith. It always causes us to be others-oriented. And uh, not just to those who like us or love us, but to even those who hate us or despise us. This kind of generosity becomes the gospel, the radical gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and, and we read more. Give to everyone who begs from you. And if anyone takes away your goods, do not ask for them again. Do to others as you would have them do to you. I read a story back some years ago. I've, I've shared it before on occasion. It's about a little boy named Nathan who was three years old. And his parents were training him in big church, so to speak. And, and they were teaching him how to sit in the pew and to be quiet while the service went on. Uh, they were allowing him to color uh, some little pages that were Bible story pages so that he would stay calm and, and be patient in the midst of big church. And, and one Sunday, um, his mother was going to teach him how to give, and so she gave him a dollar. And as the ushers were passing the plates down the pews and the choir was singing this uh, beautiful, uh, solemn anthem, um, the, the offering plate came to little Nathan. And his father held the offering plate in front of him and his mother on the other side and Nathan just looked at it. His father said, put your dollar in, Nathan. Uh, but he just stood there or sat there looking at the offering plate. And his mother said, Nathan, put your dollar in. Well, this was seconds, but it felt like minutes. And so finally, the mother just uh, gently took the dollar out of Nathan's hand, put it in the offering plate, and passed it on. And then all of a sudden, in the midst of this solemn time in worship, you could hear little Nathan's shrill voice say, I want my dollar back. I want my dollar back. And it just kept getting louder and louder. Uh, the people in the congregation, you can see them now, they were trying to hold back their laughter um, as this beautiful uh, moment of worship was interrupted by Nathan saying, I want my dollar back. You, you know, when I read that story or, or read that story, I, I, I couldn't help but laugh a little bit. And I think you probably have laughed, at least smiled at the, at the sight of this in our mind's eye. Uh, but you know, sometimes we adults, we, we have that, that, uh, that sense that Nathan had, that there was something that we had that we didn't want to let go of, that we, we, we gave, but we gave, um, out of compulsion, or we gave, um, out of obligation, but not of the right spirit. And sometimes we as adults give. And, and it's not that generous giving, but it's that sense that we want our dollar back. Now, the Apostle Paul had some words to say about how we as Christians, as followers of Jesus, are to give of who we are and what we have. Paul says that God gives to us a deep-seated spiritual cheerfulness and a warm-hearted thankfulness in the midst of our spirit of Christ's generosity. Paul said that even though... He experienced, listen to this, shipwrecks, beatings, imprisonment, unfair criticism, and a host of other trials that he lists. 
We might add to that COVID-19, economic hardships, social challenging restrictions. But Paul never let them affect his attitude toward giving. And in the ninth chapter of the second letter to the Corinthians, Paul is addressing, asking the Corinthians for an offering uh, for the Christians in Jerusalem. I want to begin reading uh, this ninth chapter. Um, I want to begin reading with the, uh, I think I'll back up to the seventh verse. Each one of us must give as you have made up your mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion, but God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to provide you with every blessing and abundance so that you always having enough of everything, you may share abundantly in every good work. As it is written, he scatters abroad, he gives to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. And now see this scripture that will come up on the screen. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way for your great generosity, which will produce thanksgiving to God through us. For the rendering of this ministry will only supplies the needs of the saints, but also overflows with thanksgiving to God. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's center first on the truth of this statement that we just read. Our giving must be done prayerfully eagerly, willingly, and cheerfully in response to the indescribable gift of God's grace that saves us and makes us whole. You know, I just want to testify this morning to the fact that some of the most cheerful people, some of the happiest people I have ever met are Christians, members of the church, who have this personal relationship with Jesus Christ. They have a, a prayer life that is admirable, and they have a joy in their giving. You know, it's been my experience that, that this joy comes not uh, due to wealth. It has nothing to do with, with what they have. It has everything to do with how they see that they have received from God. And how God has so graciously given to them. And so their, their cheerful giving or their joyful giving comes out of a response of thanksgiving to a God who has given them so much. And conversely, some of the saddest people I know um, are also people who come to church. But, but they don't have that understanding of that personal relationship with God. They... They, they don't see all that God has done for them. They don't experience that joy of uh, the salvation of the Lord. They, they don't get the cross and the resurrection and how that, that relates to them. And it's as if church is, is just kind of an obligation. It's something you just do. But it doesn't speak to that relationship. 
There's a disconnect. Zwingli said uh, of old, if you possess something that you cannot give up, you don't possess it. It possesses you. You know, one of the most generous givers that I have ever experienced in my ministry is a member right here at Lover's Lane. And this man said to me one time, God has stood beside me in my darkest times. God has brought me through uh, some of uh, some tough trials standing shoulder to shoulder with me. God has given me many blessings. The first check I gladly write every month is to God's church. There is nothing that brings me more joy than giving to God and this church. And I would also say that it's not only that check that he's referring to, but this particular person, whenever the doors are open, it seems like that he is here. It seems like if ever we have a need, uh, that he's ready to respond. If there is a, a volunteer need, for example, his service can always be counted on. And his spirit is so uplifting. Everything he does has that note of joyfulness and thanksgiving. This morning, I want to talk about how does one become a cheerful giver. How does one experience that radical generosity and, and know how to pass that on to others? We read in Scripture, and God is able to provide you with every blessing in abundance so that by always having enough of everything, you may share abundantly in every good work. Wow. One becomes a receiver first of God's gifts of salvation, and then one responds to the gift of salvation with the way that we live out that generosity. You know, some people living in the church do not fully understand the gift of God's salvation. And the offer of abundant life in Christ and, and eternal life that we're also promised. Some people can't receive God's promises and miracles because they can't quite figure them out. And, and Paul would say to us that God's grace covers all of our mistakes, all of our sins, all of our wrongdoings. We talked about God's forgiveness just last week. We talked about that new start that God wants to give all of us. I would hope there'd be some listening today that could see this time as a new start. That you could see that when we receive God's grace, sometimes we have a hard time receiving from others. And God wants to give to us all of the goodness of who God is and what God is about. And when we receive that, it changes us and makes us new. And it causes us want, want to, to want to respond and to give back in a cheerful joyful way and with thanksgiving for what we have received when we receive from God we don't think about wanting our dollar back do we we think about wanting to give to others you know have you ever thought about what a miracle it is when people give perfectly good money away 
uh, to the church or to God through the church for good things to be done. St. Paul said, you will be enriched in every way for your great generosity, which will produce thanksgiving to God through us. For the rendering of this ministry not only supplies the needs of the saints, but overflows with many thanksgivings to God. Your generosity and mine makes other people thankful to God because of the way that we have become the gospel. When we become the gospel of Christ's generosity to a world in need, people notice and they realize that we're pointing to a higher power, if you will, one who is the giver of all good gifts. Several years ago, here at Lover's Lane, we had a, a beloved um, pastor on our staff, associate pastor, his name, Dr., uh, the Reverend Dr. Dudley Dancer. Everybody loved Dudley so very much. He often talked about the hallelujah dollar, and he'd raise it as he would give the offertory prayer. Um, his generosity was to the very end of his life. He had advanced Parkinson's when he left our staff, and uh, he died not too uh, many months later. But I remember before he left, he opened up his library that he'd been building over four decades of ministry. And he said to all the younger pastors, myself included, I was younger at the time, come in and get whatever books you want. And the younger pastors flocked into his office to get some of his uh, books, some of his treasures that he was wanting to give away. I came across a book uh, that was written by uh, Richard Foster, and I'd love The Road Less Traveled. And this particular book had an intriguing title called Money, Sex, and Power. And in the book, Foster writes, Giving with glad and generous hearts has a way of rooting out the tough old miser in us. Even the poor need to know they can give. Just the very act of letting go of money or some other treasure does something within us. It destroys the demon of greed. Wow, what a quote. You know, Tammy and I were taught by our parents and so very thankful for our parents. We were taught generosity. Uh, we can remember when we, she reflects on her home life and I on my home life, how our parents were so dedicated to the church and gave to the church so faithfully. When we married, shortly thereafter, we moved to Kansas City. And I immediately started work in a Disciples of Christ church in, Can in the Kansas City area. And, uh, and, and we were both students during that seminary time. A few weeks later, I started seminary classes. And you talk about poor. We were poor. We were poor students and uh, trying to, uh, to make it um, and to pay for school. And, and, and I remember the first conversation that we had about giving after we got out of seminary and into our first appointment. And, and uh, we were talking about how we had student debt and were needing to pay some loans back. And, um, and we were talking about uh, the need to give to the church, but what would we do? And um, Tammy said, you know, we can't ask the church to do what we're not willing to do. So we have to give. 
and we have to uh, start uh, our way toward a tithe. So we started percentage giving, determining a percentage of our income and giving that until we worked our way up to a tithe of 10%. And we continued that practice. Um, a couple of years into ministry, I was diagnosed with terminal leukemia, and we were sent to the Houston area, to First Methodist in Houston. And, and, and then we started thinking about, you know, our giving practices then. I mean, we had every reason in the world to hold back, to reel in. But there was something about giving that brought us so much joy. And, and it just seemed right to say thank you to God through our giving. And so we continued that practice and have throughout our ministry. Sometimes times are harder than others. But when we give to God, we know that experience of that abundance of life that God gives back to us in so many, many ways. What a blessing it is to give of who we are and what we have to God. You know, this morning as I was watching uh, Sarah Marcellus Luganville, uh, Pastor Sarah, share with the children, I was so very thankful of our kids' ministry here at Lover's Lane. I love this church. I love especially the way that we're teaching our children and youth here about becoming the gospel in a way that speaks to generosity. Uh, Sarah spoke so well to generosity this morning. She spoke about generosity, not just being about giving the dollar, but she spoke about it of giving ourselves and responding to others in such a, 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 a God-like, a Christ-like way. She was sitting right there in the midst of all of those grocery bags of food that we were um, going to be giving out in just a matter of, 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 of minutes, really. You know, here at, at Lover's Lane, our children come from all different kinds of schools. They come from private schools and, and public schools. They come uh, from our own Wesley Prep here at, at Lover's Lane. We have children who are from wealthy families and um, wealthy as far as the world standards are. And, and we have some who are some of the most gifted children I've ever been around. And we have special needs children here that bless our hearts so very much. And we have what we call Austin's Army here. Uh, that is a, a program where a volunteer will go into Sunday school with a special child and, and experience that Sunday school with them. And they with the children, all of the children together. It's beautiful. And we're so thankful for Austin's Army. It came to us through a generous gift by um, one of our members, Stark Taylor, who wanted to make sure his special grandson, Austin, could have a place here at Lover's Lane. And Austin is such a champion. That generosity made a lot happen here. We also have children who are part of our church here who come from uh, uh, families who have come to the United States as refugees, some even uh, through asylum. And they come here with literally nothing. Some of those bags of groceries uh, that we were giving away go to our own members, about 40 or 50 bags a week to those who are part of the work and poor uh, in this area whom we love so very much and who serve right beside us in so many different capacities. And yet right now, are experiencing that food uh, insecurity that so many people in the area and really throughout the country are experiencing. 
So Sarah Luganbill and Jennifer Sutcliffe and Tendris Saul and Emily Price and Fry and Jesse Fry and Patty Knott and a host of other volunteers and student volunteers, uh, parents who work with our children, they are teaching our children so much about becoming the gospel of generosity. You know, I love the fact that, that Sarah was teaching in the midst of our food ministry that she's been so uh, much a part of. And Randall Lucas has been, he's been our leader. You, you know, that very day, right after that video was done, over 400 people came here to the campus for bags of groceries. We've been going to Wesley Rankin and we've been going to Bethlehem Center and Casa Linda and uh, United Methodist Church and Christ Foundry United Methodist Church and, and, and the kids who are in the feeder schools to W.T. White and Thomas Jefferson's high, high school. They are coming here to receive uh, those gifts of groceries. Thirteen different vegetables and fruit we put in those grocery bags along with a quart of rice and a quart of beans. And, and the families are so thankful for this generosity. And, and for $10, we basically uh, feed a family. Um, it would cost them $50, $60 to buy the produce that they have in their grocery bag that's given to them as a gift. And, and we've had so many responses from these who have received these gifts, uh, so many responses of thanksgiving for what the church is doing. But what I want to say is the church is becoming the gospel of generosity to our community right now in a very special way. We're meeting a need. And we're not doing this so that uh, we get any glory for it. We're doing it because it's the Lord's calling on our life to give to others, not expecting anything in return. Friends, I want to thank you for the way that you're responding whether you're given $10 or more, or whether you're volunteering to, to go pick up the produce or unload the produce or sack the produce in the bags, we're doing so in a social distancing way. But it's all coming together so literally hundreds of people can receive this gift. To date, we have um, given out, well this week, at the end of this week, we will have given nearly 60,000 pounds 60,000 pounds of fresh produce to over 15,000 uh, recipients. What a ministry. This week is going to be a blessing to so very many. You know, when you're given like this, you don't expect the dollar back, do you? You don't even want the dollar back. Because what we give of who we are and what we have becomes a blessing to others and blesses us with a cheerfulness and a joy and a thanksgiving that is the abundant life of becoming the gospel.